last week on the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete. So I guess I was in the fourth grade. Was my homeroom teacher Mrs. Burke or was that the sixth grade? That's another fail. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't fail the grade. You just failed to remember. No, yeah. no, no. Remember the guys that would stay back? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah there, there was... I always, I always cracked up. There was always like that kid in gym class that had like a mustache in <laughs> fifth grade. He was huge too. He dominated. You know? So on January 15th, pioneering American female comedian Phyllis Diller gets a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Wonder if Fang was there to celebrate with her. Found that everything down there, and it was brutally hot, and I had a a, a suit and tie on too, so that made it rather unpleasant. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, what are you, some sort of wuss? Because you know, Jack yes. Lord wore a suit all the time on Hawaii Five O in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. At least it's tougher than I am. This was when I was in college, and I I sat down at the desk in a classroom, and there was a piece of graffiti someone wrote and it said heaven help us and then someone else you could tell was different handwriting wrote underneath jack lord have mercy who didn't like reenact that fight between uh, john saxon and, and steve austin in the, yeah. in the yard uh, oh yeah because you wouldn't get hurt because it's all in slow motion <laughs> yeah it's kind of like you know kirk fighting the gorn You know, because you know how Andy Rooney was. <laughs> Do you ever wonder why your taxes are so expensive? Yeah. Well, let me show you. <laughs> exactly. Here's some clerks with a, on, working on the typewriter, and they're typing away. Here's someone <laughs> punching punch cards. And then at the end of the day, they burn it all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think next time I'll just <laughs> watch the six million dollar man. <laughs> yeah. How much paperwork so, was associated with the six million dollar man? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. He sounds great. Well, yeah, because he was fifty years old then. Now he's yeah. ninety. <laughs> oh, you and I, I think don't he was sound playing that at great. The, at, so I found the Matlock channel down here. Right. Okay. And awesome. And, Imagine that in Florida. <laughs> yeah. And and right after Matlock is Perry Mason. Blue, but it's a pretty cool looking yeah. album. You know he's he's telling you there, talk to the hand. Right. Because <laughs> the face don't understand. With the uh, the way inflation's going, you know. Tony yeah. Orlando, his his pants are so tight. Uh <laughs> He, he can't. can't fit his iPhone in the back pocket anymore. Yeah, yeah. he can't fit a credit card. <laughs> so you're talking about that the album 666. Good thing it wasn't Chicago that did that, or it'd be V-I-V-I-V-I. <laughs> Mr. Van Zant saying, what song is it you want to hear? <laughs> yeah. Freebird! What song is it you want to hear? Freebird! Why do I have Carl Douglas as the... <laughs> That's not right. Uh, no, I did the same thing. It's Carol Douglas, if you look very close. Oh. <laughs> I did the exact same thing. As, and I think we did that the last time. 
Was this in Going Coconuts? So laughter in the rain, and yeah, this is by that famous capitalist pig slash dirty rotten snitch, Mr. Neil Sadak. <laughs> the heck's his name? <laughs> We're getting too old to do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. So my, I, my I think ag- we're agonizing our listeners if we have any anymore. Love is in the air. Everywhere I look around. Love is in the air. Every sight and every sound. And I don't know if I'm being foolish Don't know if I'm being wise But it's something that I must believe in And it's there when I look in your eyes Love is in the air In the whisper of the tree Love is in the air Hello again, and welcome to the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, a show where two friends reveal a randomly chosen American Top 40 episode from the 1970s, the most interesting decade in pop music. My name is Mark Robeck, and with me is my friend and co-host, Peter Gardo. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Well, Mark, happy Valentine's Day for you. Ah, yeah, thank you. uh, You too. this uh, This is, I guess, our Valentine's Day episode. Yeah, as as you'll hear a little later, I hope you get your uh, those little hearts that come in a little box that say <laughs> "Be mine." You know, they taste like like sawdust, but they're so good. I think yeah. didn't didn't uh, the Smarties Company make those? You know, they went out of business. They're up in Boston for forever. I'm, yeah. I'm sure some some investment firm bought it up, and they're now making it in like you know Peru or something. <laughs> yeah i haven't had those in a long time um yeah. but i i always i, I always like the smarties so yeah, yeah. I, yeah I do remember those though in in grade school particularly mm-hmm. because they would they would have like a little heart on the back and it would be to and from and, and you just make a little mailbox and put it you know tape <laughs> it to the the side of your desk yeah and and, and you would give valentines to people and they'd give them to you yeah yeah, and, yeah uh, we did that yeah back in the day before everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> but anyhow i am back from from my month down in uh, down in south florida it was it was really nice i missed the the snow and the ice and the cold and yeah. uh but it, it was it was really good and uh, it was nice. Yeah, great, great. My yeah. my wife picked out great stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looked, looked. I mean, the place you were staying looked really nice, and of course, you mm-hmm. got to go to the concert down there, which enjoyed yeah. hearing about. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, good good time of year to go. I yeah. I kept saying I was gonna go somewhere warm in February, and I, once again, I just never got around to. It. Well, it. you know, we had that extra ticket to the to the concert. Yeah. You could have come down for the weekend, but yeah, yeah, you failed. I did. I failed 
miserably. <laughs> yeah. So how how is uh, how's it been for you recently? Eh, okay. Um, yeah, not too much going on. Um, it's funny. So last night our friends over the was it last night? No, Monday night. Two nights ago. Yeah, the uh, yeah. friends over at the Purple Podcast had a uh, live stream. So you know, I, I was listening in and had uh, it up on the computer, but I had the TV on it. And out of the corner of my eye, I had Quincy on, and lo and behold, Casey Kasem was on, <laughs> making a guest starring uh, role. And it was—he didn't have a lot of uh, screen time, but he did. Uh, uh-huh. He was a newspaper reporter that he, he wrote the obituaries, but he was trying to break into like some real reporting. But he kept coming up with all these facts, and and uh, Quincy's like, where? how do you know this stuff? And he said he read, forget what he called it, ah, but it's something like that they tag on at the end of newspaper articles, little I don't know, fillers or whatever. But he's like, oh, I read all those. And that's, that's how I get my knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty good. But yeah, uh, other than that, uh, yeah, yeah, not much going on. You know, we're, we're, um, we're going to be getting ready for the Super Bowl, right? That's coming mm-hmm. up. Uh, well, we, speaking of television, I sent you a message on Sunday afternoon, and you drove to walk or something. You, yeah, you know, yeah, you, right you global warming, you know, carbon footprint guy. Yeah, because um, not only do you have to drive to walk, but then you need more packaged food when you get home. You know, to yeah. get all those nutrients back in you. And yeah, plus all the heat I give off walking then warms. The- yeah planet <laughs> but the love boat was on ah sunday afternoon it came on and the maybe the second name to come up was charo as ah. a guest host gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. and it was season two and so she came back so this is her second time on uh. the uh and maybe in the background you can put uh you know charo doing something maybe the love boat theme yeah yeah <laughs> over when we do this but she comes back on 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 board and and gopher and doc and isaac they're like oh give it to us give it to us it's just okay this one time coochie coochie <laughs> and and so the first time she was on they they gave her the backstory she was a stowaway so this time captain Stubing made her a star so she was the headliner in the uh in the lounge you know the story was she wanted to be more like Julie. She wanted to become, you know, help people. And she wanted to be, uh, you know, a, uh, what was her job? The stewardess or I don't know what the cruise, heck. Cruise director. Cruise director. Right? Cruise director. Cruise director. Yeah. She wanted, so, so they got permission from the, the captain to, to do this stuff and, and all heck broke loops. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And <I'm> so, sure. <laughs> and so, so one of the things, the one of the other stories was how Stiller and Mira were there with their four children on their second honeymoon. And the oldest daughter, I guess, was on Little House on the Prairie, who would probably be about the same age as us and Ben Stiller. Okay. But yeah. then they had like all these little kids. And uh, and so she kept on trying to help Jerry Stiller. And and Mira kept on thinking that, you know, he, he was cheating on her because she was watching the kids and stuff. But one of the best scenes was they, they start playing bingo. Okay. And so Julie pulls out the numbers and... And she says, okay, uh, April, you know, we'll take it away. And so she starts doing it and she's spinning this big giant ball. As those of you watching on Channel 18, <laughs> you can see me doing this spinning mood. Channel 18. And she was pulling out the numbers and, and spitting all the numbers and letters out. 
in bingo in Spanish. All the people <laughs> on the, on the uh, at the pool were like, "What? What's going on? What are these numbers?" And it's so fast. And 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 the winner was a guy from Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's the uh, she, she did sing in the lounge the love boat theme as as uh, you put in the uh, uh, the uh, beginning of the Charles show. So. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's a video clip. I think I put that in the uh, show notes as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. of her of her doing that. Uh, yeah, and it's but funny. it was a pretty good episode. I you know I on a on a scale of of one to two, I give it a two. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the James Brown scale. The James Brown scale. Yeah, and it's funny because yeah. just before we got on to record, I saw on the uh, the X the Twitter machine, and I re I retweeted this. It was a tweet from. Charo Kuchi Kuchi. And uh she talks about she's going she's going out on tour and she's given her tip for weight loss is eating a certain type of tomatoes and keep moving. <laughs> Kuchi Kuchi. So, yeah. Is she gonna be around this area? I don't know. I didn't uh I didn't look that up, but yeah, that would be something we could go see. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I guess before we get into the episode, I unfortunately some sad uh, in memoriams to, to, to go through. We lost some people uh, in the last few weeks. On January 30th, Cheetah Rivera passed away at the age of 91. She was an actress, singer and dancer. She received numerous accolades, including two Tony Awards, the Kennedy Center Honor in 2002 and the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2009. And then on February 1st, Carl Weathers died at age 76, the American actor, director, and football linebacker. He played in seven games for the Raiders in 1970, helping them win the AFC West Division title. And his roles, of course, included boxer Apollo Creed in the first four Rocky films. And then he was Colonel Alan Dillon in The Predator. And of course, he was in that James Brown video, Living in America, from the Rocky Four soundtrack. Yes. Well, more importantly, he was on the $6 million man on the episode, One of Our Quarterbacks is Missing, with Larry Zonka and Dick Buckus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had quite a few uh, acting roles, if you go out to his uh, IMDb, a lot more than I thought, actually. But also, based on the... Uh, what people were saying on Twitter and, and in the tributes, he seemed like he was a really, really nice guy too. Really good guy. So yeah. he'll be missed. And then um, Melanie Safka, Melanie passed away February 3rd, also at the age of 76. And of course, yeah, she was an American singer songwriter. She had six top 40 hits uh, in the seventies, including brand new key, her 1970 version of the Rolling Stones, Ruby Tuesday, uh, her composition, What Have They Done to My Song, Ma, and her 1970 international breakthrough hit, Lay Down Candles in the Rain, which was inspired by her experience performing at the Woodstock Music Festival. But I was amazed, I think, when we've had her on the countdown, uh, how, how much music she actually put out. Uh, 29 <laughs> studio albums, 13 live albums. She was amazingly to me the 71st best-selling artist of the 70s just behind staple singers and brand new key was the 26th best-selling song of the 70s surprised by that i mean you and i i think both uh you know yeah wasn't our cup of tea but uh quite the prolific songstress 
for sure. Yeah, she's part of she's part of the culture of the early seventies, without a doubt. And yeah. uh, not a fan, but uh, very big part of the culture. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, yeah, rest in peace to those those folks. They will be missed by the culture. So, Pete and I have been friends for a long time, thirty five plus years. We met in college and then ended up working together also for a long time. And in each of these episodes, we review all forty songs in the chosen week's countdown and provide some factual information on each song, as well as our personal opinions, stories, and comments related to it. At the end of the episode, we'll provide our individual choices for the best and worst song, a song that we think will torture the other guy that we've labeled the agonizer. And we will give our individual A-plus through F-grade for the entire countdown. Since nobody has the exact same taste in music, our opinions on individual songs may be controversial, but we otherwise intend to keep the conversation light, humorous, and hopefully entertaining. Remember, this is just a discussion, not a competition, so please no wagering. All right, Mark. So today is episode number 70 of the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, the American Top 40 from the week ending February 14th, 1976. And the title of this episode is I Write the Deep Purple Songs. So now that you're uh, back home, do you uh, know what you were doing in mid-February of 1976? Absolutely. So, you know, just like this year, it's a leap year. Ah, okay. All right. So we'll have an extra day to do another episode this year, I guess. Uh (laughs) I always like to joke at work how well everything's going to be on schedule this year because we have the extra day and uh, (laughs) it it never seems to happen. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, fifth grade, 10 years old, you know, 1976, you're getting ready for the bicentennial. Yeah. You know, so not only was, uh, you know, Valentine's day coming up, but uh, Washington's birthday was on that Monday. So I'm sure that I had that week off from school, all right? We used to have a February break, and uh, uh, things are different now because now there's the King holiday in January, and, and, and you know, they, they I think they cut the February one short now, uh, uh-huh. but the April one is still uh, is, is still around. And uh, But it doesn't say school's out on in my father's date book here. Mm-hmm. And there was stuff that was on the, on the 14th that was erased. I'm not going to try and read it but uh my father did weigh 196 pounds on the 8th and 199 pounds on the 22nd but he did not weigh himself on that sunday and uh for those of you looking at the uh uh, at the scale at at home 196.8 for me yesterday Uh, so i was 199 this morning (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, if we were doing this time in 1978, it would have been the blizzard of 78. Yeah. Yeah. They've been talking storm Larry. For those of you that get WTIC uh, TV or WFSB TV at the day. Uh, Yeah. 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 Interesting. So, so yeah, I was uh, in the sixth grade and I, I had Mr. Aaron's, who was a big fan of Welcome Back Cotter, <laughs> probably oh, because he was a Jewish teacher with a mustache from Brooklyn. <laughs> In fact, he loved the show so much that he I wasn't one of the chosen, but there were several of the, the guys in our class that he he 
he was calling by, you know, your Horshack, your uh, Vinny, Epstein, Epstein. Yeah. And then there was one guy, and he was like, You're the white Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Which probably would get him thrown out of grammar yeah, school nowadays, knows. but uh, yeah. yeah. So that was pretty funny, and then also, uh, so that was what was going on with me. But holding up on channel eighteen, I got Gail's version of a date book. I guess it said, and I think I showed this one before. It's an academic planner, nineteen seventy five through nineteen seventy six. It's a Barnes and Noble, and it says inside, "It's uh, welcome to the." CCSC bookstore. So, oh, I've been to that bookstore. Yeah. So this was when Gail was uh, taking because I worked at Barnes and Noble in college, and twelve years ago or eleven years ago at Christmas, me and uh, Uncle Bill, who also worked at the bookstore at another place, we went to visit that bookstore because our former bookstore manager was now managing that one. Ah, okay. So yeah. we saw Jack. And then we got invited to his second wedding. So <laughs> okay. after that. <laughs> That's interesting. So this, yeah. um, yeah, so Gail really crammed in her writing and in, in, in like just little blocks. I had to get a magnifying glass up to read it. <laughs> but just a couple of items she had in there. She said on Friday the 13th, her and her friend Doris watched Dorothy Hamill win the skating gold medal at the Olympics Ooh, yeah. because she was from our state. And then uh, that was exciting. And and then Saturday the 14th, uh, Gail started reading Rich Man, Poor Man. And the miniseries had just begun airing on uh, February 1st of 76. And it was based on a 1969 novel by Irwin Shaw. So that was a big miniseries at the time. Yeah. yeah. And it was the first really, it was, I think I read the second miniseries that was done, but it was really the first one that, that, broke broke out in terms of network roots was after that then right yeah 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 okay yeah Yeah. because then there was north and south came out in the 80s oh yeah you had uh and and the winds of war was in the early 80s i remember watching that as part of my history class go watch the winds of war then i'll have to then we'll talk about tv yeah 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 there was there was there was quite a few of them after that that rich man poor man yeah, and they actually did a rich man, poor man book two, as as well. But I just looking at the IMDb of that boy, that's like a who's who of the seventies. And was Robert Reed in that too? He was, yeah, yeah, because yeah. he was also in North and South. That was another one, right? Right. That was on he, NBC, right? Yeah, I I actually remember that because was didn't he play like the plantation owner and uh, mm-hmm. Linda? He was Day, an evil guy. Yeah. yeah, Linda Day George was. Not his wife, but I think he had a thing with her or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Anyway, so yeah, that's what uh, was going on for us in '76. So yeah, um, now and now we get crap like you know, Dancing with the Stars and The Bachelor. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) that 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 was real drama with real people with real scripts with real. It was real. And I don't, I don't, I don't watch any of the streaming stuff. You know, I don't get HBO. Cause I can't mm. afford it. So I I've missed out on like everything for the last 20 years. Cause I just, I, I don't know how to get it, but I do know how to, how, how to watch Quincy and, and Mannix and uh, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. 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 I, I haven't watched a lot of the series, a few of them, but you're right. It's um, 
those things have gone to those streaming services and right. that, that networks are just full of junk, mostly junk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm sure, you know, you, you, you read Cause I do read about them. I read reviews and stuff and, and, but I just don't have the patience to go find this stuff. I don't have relationships with anyone that talks about that stuff. And if I do, I, I, I turn a deaf ear and, don't don't listen about it so yeah it's, it's it's interesting you know maybe it's for people that are younger or or whatever yeah yeah sure so um we we have at least one uh sort of correction uh from last episode i was <laughs> i was not exactly right you mean you were wrong <laughs> Yeah, that's right, Malfi. I was what you just said I was just then, yeah. But, or a um, clarification. Clarification, yeah, right. or, or both. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we, we got into the the Van Zant brothers, particularly uh, as as related to Leonard Skinner. But right, then, Tito Van Zant, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, so that Van Zant is spelled V-A-N-Z-A-N-T, and and yeah, the current singer of Leonard Skinner is Johnny Van Zant, and he is the younger brother of Ronnie Van Zant, the former lead singer. Donnie Van Zant is the founder of Thirty Eight Special. So I think okay. we we had a mix up between Ronnie and Donnie, which <laughs> easy to do. And then I no, brought, it was between Johnny and Donnie. Johnny and Donnie, okay. Yeah. Ronnie, we'll mix them up. Yeah, you know it's funny. I'm looking at those brothers, and it's just like my father's brothers. Uh, so my <laughs> my father had four brothers, and they were in in order of age. So there there are, there are five of them. Huh? Oh, I'm sorry, three brothers. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I uh, and and boy, you corrected me on my own uncles. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, in order of uh, name in age, it's Teddy, Eddie. Freddie and my uncle Richie, who's, who's the last one still alive, he's in his 90s. But uh, they always said, well, the problem with Richie was he was supposed to be a girl and then he would have been Betty. <laughs> <laughs> so just like the, the, the Van Zants, I don't know if they had a sister, I'll have to look that up, but they got, yeah. you know, Johnny, Ronnie, and Donnie. And then I brought up Stevie Van Zant, which it's spelled differently. It's uh, his is V A N Z A N D T. And he was actually born as Stephen Lento. And he's also known as Little Steven or Miami Steve. And he's the guitarist for Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band. Actor Billy Van Zant is his half-brother. Uh, and actress Adrian Barbeau is his ex-sister-in-law. <laughs> he also has a half-sister named Kathy, who is a writer. <laughs> so what's Billy Van Zant's given name? Or did, did no, this is... Mrs. Uh, uh, where is it Lent, here? I'm, Lento. Did Mrs. Lento then marry Mr. Van Zant? Yeah, yeah. So Billy, okay. Billy. That's why it's a yeah. half brother. Yeah. Okay. And then I had to text my sister because I remember when I was in Austin one time, we went to a jazz brunch at Geraldine's restaurant, and it's in the hotel Van Zant, and that mm-hmm. one's V A N. Z-A-N-D-T, like Stevie. And it's a hotel named after a famous country songwriter, Towns Van Zant, who oh, wrote sure. Poncho and Lefty. So, yep. Yep. Well, so, I, th- I think he cleaned it up. But 
we have a segment here. So. Are you sitting up straight? That's good. Welcome to Zip Code. Learn it today. Send your mail out the five-digit way. For a time saver, like the load, your return address should have the Zip Code. Put a 15-cent stamp on a postcard and a 25-cent stamp on your one-ounce letter and everything will be fine. All right. So I'm showing to the, all of you on Channel 18 a postcard that okay. says Deerfield Beach. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. So Deerfield Beach is just north of where we were in uh, in South Florida. Looks like it's at the Wyndham uh, Resort. Looks very nice. Yeah, it's a golf and, place, uh, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> it's to Gardo Pool Inspection Services. <laughs> with my address with the Craig zip code and a postcard stamp and it was mailed from Brockton Mass that's where the postmark is but it says Hotel California Florida Branch Mr. Gardo we are due for our annual pool inspection please contact us for scheduling please do do it to us one more time yours truly Daryl Dragon Jr. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe this is from our our friend Rich that we'll be seeing uh, next Friday. Yeah. So thank, thanks, Rich. You put a smile on my face. And... That that's that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, my uh, my daughter's friend, because she's a boyfriend. He uh, he's quite handy. We didn't see him at Christmas, uh, but uh, stuff came home here, and so when we got home, there was a, there was a gift. And here's like a like a tray, See oh, this okay. tray, the wooden yeah. tray. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, nice. and and you could actually put postcards in the tray. If you see that? Oh, Fits. yeah, yeah, okay. nice. And and uh, burned into the back of it. What's it say? Oh, yeah, seventies weekly countdown with Mark and Pete. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very nice lettering so, too on that. Yeah. So. He also made a charcuterie board for for us. So, uh, oh, wow! So, thank you very much. It was uh, it's nice getting stuff that's that's made. So, uh, yeah. And Rich, she's, thanks for the. Her friend isn't Norm. I know she's going up, going to school up there in Mass. <laughs> I don't get it. Norm from this old house, you know, Master Carpenter. Oh, okay. I, thought you, I, I thought you were meaning Norm from Cheers. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, up in boston as well i guess yeah. that's right that's right that's the first norm i thought of not not norb abram so uh so mark tell me what was going on in the when i picked up the afternoon was the afternoon newspaper still around at this point in time? i think it was i think 76 yeah yeah it closed that that year i believe yeah, the reason the reason I think it's around is I think I remember delivering the bicentennial issue. Mm -hmm. So, what was in the uh, in the newspapers right about this time? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, February fourth through the fifteenth, the uh, XII, the twelfth Winter Olympic Games, were being held in uh, Innsbruck, Austria. Uh, yeah, they opened on the fourth. They closed on the fifteenth. And on the 13th, American Dorothy Hamill wins the 
free skate to clinch the women's figure skating gold medal. Yeah. So, and uh, she was from our state. So that was like a huge deal back then for, for us. And, and I, I remember those Olympics, you know, from, I remember Dorothy Hamill. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I also remember like Franz Klammer. Okay. <laughs> okay. That sounds familiar. Yeah. You know, he was the Austrian uh, downhill skier. I think, I think that was his Olympics, but that's, those are the two things. I and Of course, Dorothy Hamill became a, not a pinup girl, but a, you know, girl next door, American story. And she later went to the ice capades and owned the ice capades. And yeah, uh, she was married uh, to uh, Dean Martin's son for, for a yeah. while too. Yeah. 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 And she had the hairdo and yes. every, every young lady in America after the Olympics got, got her haircut like that. Yeah. They, they, yeah. they cut off the Farah. Was Farah's haircut before that or after that? You know, with a, I want to say after, yeah. Talk about, uh, you know, you know, uh, uh, dueling haircuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then, uh, I guess, uh, we'll talk about what was on the uh, magazine covers around this time on uh, February 16th time magazine had Patty Hurston court and it had uh, defense attorney F. Lee Bailey on it, as well as the picture of Patty, that famous picture of her holding a machine gun. And then on Newsweek had the Concord Fuhrer, uh, the, the Concord uh, supersonic commercial transport that started commercial flights in January. So that was that was in the news at that point. And of course, it wasn't a U.S. plane. It was a co-French and British endeavor. And then um, on People magazine, it had a picture of Chris Everett and Jack Ford, the president's son. And it said... Uh, they're partying at the White House, but her heart belongs to Jimmy. And that was, of course, tennis pro Jimmy Connors, who she was romantically involved with for a while. What's so. interesting about that is I thought when it said Jimmy, I was thinking Jimmy Carter, but the primaries hadn't <laughs> happened yet. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that would have been something else. Actually, yeah. <laughs> I wonder what Rosalind would have thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I looked for uh, uh, technology in 76, and I really didn't find anything of note around this time. We'll uh, move into what the economy was doing. Unemployment rate was 8.5%. That's pretty lousy. But the inflation rate was uh, only 8.7%. So uh, it had come down a little bit from, uh, you know, our last episode was much higher than that. Same buying power of today's dollar was about 19 cents back then. And the cost of a gallon of regular gas was 59 cents. That's 316 today. And Pete, you're back. So does that match any of your real-time data? On the gasoline, gasoline, motor oil, oil. and it's pretty close. So both cars are filled up uh, that week. So on the on the 13th, the VW Squareback was filled up for 54.9 cents a gallon. Yeah. And it got 25 miles per gallon. And the 1972 Volkswagen bus was filled up on the 11th. And it was 54.9 cents a gallon for 15 and a half miles per gallon. Okay. So one thing that's interesting about this is the VW bus went into service 
the day before this on the Friday the 13th. Ah. And it, it had uh, 38,150 miles on it. Uh, so it was f- almost four years old for us and three and a half years old. And it cost $114.87. All right. So my quick math, I don't know if I did it right. Uh, that's a $600 service. Yeah. Okay. Which is that right? So uh, 20 cents. Yeah. So it's to multiply it times uh, uh, times five. And so you get $600. It was my understanding that there would be no math. But even $600 for a tune-up or service seems pretty affordable now. Hmm. You know? You, yeah. You, Do you have the details of what was done? Just uh, No, no, I, I don't have that. I don't, I don't have that. Yeah. So, it's probably fairly, fairly major, right? It's like 36,000. Uh, yeah, maybe not. I don't know. Well, no, probably, probably, you know, plugs and coil and or distributor, yeah. you know, yeah, the stuff that you had to have done then, you know, I, I, you know, probably points were done. You know, I think that car had points. Yeah. No electronic ignition. That, um, yeah. Yeah. That didn't come until, until a little yeah. after that, or it was just coming out then, I think. 600 bucks. Yeah, I'd love to get my car service for six hundred bucks. Yeah, that's why yeah. I usually do it myself. Yeah, that's yeah. why I have a car in the garage that haven't hasn't run for three years. <laughs> but someday, yeah, someday. <laughs> All righty. Uh, so, looking at some of the TV uh, highlights from the week, so it was interesting. And looking at the TV, I was like, God, it doesn't seem like there's a lot on. But part of the problem was uh, the ABC primetime was dominated by the coverage of the uh, 12th Winter Olympic Games. So that was pretty much uh, all that was on in primetime on ABC. Wednesday, February 11th on NBC, you had Chico and the Man. And the episode was Chico's Cousin Pepe, season two, episode 19, with Jose Feliciano playing Pepe. He was, uh, yeah, he was coming between Chico and his girlfriend. <laughs> so, oh, nice. That's interesting. And then uh, Sunday, February 15th, The Sonny and Cher Show, season one, episode three, with Neil Sadaka and Evil Knievel. So that, nice. that, that Did Evil up. Knievel jump over Neil Sadaka? Yeah. In, in his Harley, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he had his, 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 his patriotic uniform on. I, what, a, I what, an enter- what an entertainer, the evil can evil, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd, uh, I bet there, there might be film of that on, uh, on on the YouTube. If I find it, I'll put it in the show notes. Yep. yep. And then that, uh, that same night, Sunday, February 15th, ABC at 8, The Six Million Dollar Man. And it was Love Song for Tanya, Season 3, Episode 20 with Lindsay Wagner and Kathy Rigby playing Tanya. So this is uh, Steve Austin is assigned to escort a member of the Soviet gymnastic troupe during a U.S. tour, and he must protect her from a subversive group trying to damage U.S.-USSR relations. I remember that episode. I haven't seen it in a long time, but isn't there a part where Steve starts doing the parallel bars and it's making the bionic you know, sound yeah. as he's going around. And she's like, wow, you're pretty good at this. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but if I remember Kathy Rigby, now, was it the 72 Olympics for her? Because it was Nadia Komenich in the 
76 Summer Olympics in Montreal, right? Yeah, yeah. I I'd have to look that up. I don't. I, I'm pretty sure Kathy Rigby didn't do fantastic in the Olympics. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think she gold medaled. Rigby was the highest scoring American gymnast at the 1968 Summer Olympics in Mexico City, making her a favorite with American television audiences and helping to popularize gymnastics in America. Rigby competed in the 1972 Summer Olympics but was hampered by injury. She did not win a medal. She retired from gymnastics after the 1972 Olympics. But um, yeah, but she was America's sweetheart too, like Dorothy Hamill. Yeah, yeah, she's very cute and tiny, yeah. and uh, yeah, you know. Uh, but I kind of remember her as being like petulant in in as as like I don't need your help, you know. Oh, in Steve the episode, Austin, yeah, in the yeah. episode, yeah, and and but I don't remember Lindsay Wagner in that. She might have just been in, in, a, in a little bit. I I that that yeah. might have been to. But what's interesting is on ABC when the Olympics were on. So the Olymp, you know, so it's what, eight o'clock at night on a on a Sunday, right? They might have been over by that time because this was Sunday the fifteenth. They closed on the fifteenth. Yeah, so that that was closing. So yeah, maybe they had the closing ceremonies and then and, boom, and then they six went to mil. yeah six <laughs> <mil>. <laughs> with a with an Olympic episode in the sense, right. you know, yes. yeah. yeah, they they had that they had the, the crossover. All righty. And then uh, one more TV item, Monday, February 16th, NBC at 8, The Rich Little Show, Season 1, Episode 3 with The Jackson 5, Martin Milner, and C.W. McCall. And Rich does a takeoff of Welcome Back, Kosher, it was called, <laughs> and another spoof of Inspector Clumzo. And the Jackson 5 performed Forever Came Today. So I wonder if my teacher, Mr. Aarons, watched Welcome Back, Kosher. <laughs> <laughs> so anything at the movie theater? Yeah, one one to mention that was a big film. Uh, February 8th, Taxi Driver, directed by Martin Scorsese and starring Robert De Niro and Jodie Foster, uh, was released. So that was... a. Yeah. Uh, that was a big movie. It's a dark movie. I've seen it once. I've never seen it. Yeah. I also saw Jodie Foster on a, a, an episode of Adam 12. Speaking of Martin Milner, uh, she was really young. It was like 1968 or nine. This uh, episode that we're about to get into of uh, American Top 40, uh, when it was on Sirius XM, it was introduced by John Schneider and Tom Wopat, the Duke boys. Very good. So now, as uh, Casey would say, on with the countdown. So this is Tangerine by our friends, the Sal Soul Orchestra. Yeah, this was also on our episode 45 from March 13th of 76. And we've talked about the Salsa Orchestra a lot. This was their biggest hit. And as Casey said, it's a cover of the 1941 song written by Victor Scherzinger. It's lyrics by Johnny Mercer. It was in the 1942 movie The Fleet's In, performed by Jimmy Dorsey's orchestra, and is the most popular version. Um, this version got to number 18 and was, as I said, the Salsa Orchestra's biggest pop hit, but they had many hits on the dance chart. 
Yeah, uh, I like the song. Yeah, I I went neutral on it, but uh, it's pretty good. Well, with with all the salsa orchestra stuff that we did, it uh, you know, I like it. Yeah, I do remember it. I, I remember most of the stuff in the countdown uh-huh. this week because I think you know we were of age. Yeah. Well, I'm going good here. Yeah. So. This is the Commodores, and did they do this song when you saw them, Pete? I'm opening up my handy-dandy notebook, and I will find out. All right, so yeah, this is We Love. We also had this in our episode 45. This was the first big pop hit for the Commodores, getting to number five, and was the first of their Lionel Richie-written ballads that moved them away from the stone-cold funk sound they started with. Per Cashbox, this is interesting. The Commodores were the 28th best-selling artists of the 1970s, just ahead of Marvin Gaye and just behind the Spinners. Wow. <laughs> so good company there and quite appropriate. Yeah. This is a great song, and they did do this song. I I, I, I really appreciate the Commodores. I still don't really like Machine Gun, all right? I'd go neutral on that if I was rating, but it's important. But I went good on this. I changed my tangerine to neutral. So, yeah. What are and you I'm, doing here? I'm going good on this. Yeah. yeah. I tell you, there's nothing better than, lady, you bring <laughs> yeah. me up when I'm done. <laughs> That's, it's great. It's a great song. And I, I sent you that thing where they were... On that little ad for Schwitz. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, like the time. All right. <clears throat> I'm, I'm going bad on this. This is... I, I hate to be a bummer on the Bay City Rollers, but this isn't very good. This is a cover, isn't it? It feels know. like one. Yeah, but yeah, this is Money Honey by the Bay City Rollers off their album Rock and Roll Love Letter. Uh, this is also in our episode 45. This one got to number nine, and it was the Bay City Rollers' second U.S. top 10 hit. Uh, it was a bigger hit internationally. It went to number three in Australia, number four in Ireland, and number one in Canada, where it ranks as the 22nd greatest hit of 1976. But uh, we talked about, ironically, the song is about being broke and how these poor guys saw virtually none of the money their music and tours produced. <laughs> I, I went neutral on it. Uh, I think I was being a little kind, but... Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you know where you're going to? Do you like the Well, this is a beautiful song. Mm. I don't know if I have fatigue. Ah. Uh, she sounds great. Do you get what you Yeah. This, of course, is Miss Diana Ross. And this is a theme from Mahogany, parentheses, do you know where you're going to? Off the Mahogany soundtrack. And uh, this one went to number one. 
was the theme song to the 1975 movie Mahogany, starring Diana Ross as Tracy Chambers, a woman from humble beginnings who becomes a glamorous fashion model using the name Mahogany. It was her second film. In 1972, she played Billie Holiday in Lady Sings the Blues. Both films also star Billy D. Williams. And, uh, nice. I, I went good on this probably because uh, we sang this at our grammar school graduation in 1978. And unlike the Bee Gees, How Deep Is Your Love, uh, we could sing the high notes in this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go good, too. This is, this is a good song. She was only 16. All right. 16, <laughs> but I loved her so uh. Give me your rating. I went neutral. I think I was being kind as well. His vocals almost sound like Randy Newman. Here. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go neutral too. Yeah, so this is uh, Only 16 by Dr. Hook off their album Bankrupt. Casey said... Like the Bay City Rollers. Yeah. Casey said this was a hit by Sam Cooke in 1959 um, this Dr. Hook version peaked at number 6 and Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show shortened to Dr. Hook in 1975 the Supremes recorded a version of this first released on their tribute album We Remember Sam Cooke in 1965 and uh, that was a big hit in Sweden yeah. alright I'm number 35. Yeah, here we go. So we have some album art for this. Yeah, let's get to the hook here. Yeah, so this is I Love Music Part 1 by the OJs off their album Family Reunion. And yeah, the art, album art on this, you've got the the three singers from the OJs in the middle. And then they're surrounded by, uh, there's, a, there's a baby, there's a little girl holding a Raggedy Ann doll. But everybody looks like a different ethnicity in this. So it's kind of a world family reunion. I, I like it. Nice, nice album cover. Well, it goes along with this song, actually. Yep. And uh, Casey... this guy over here looks like uh, Che Guevara, though. <laughs> yeah, he's got a beret on. Yeah, he's got that that beard like you have on. Yeah, he's got an evil. This guy team. here looks like uh, a character at a murder she wrote when he, she went to Scotland. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no. But, uh, no. It's a nice, nice LP cover. Yeah, I went good. I, yeah, I, I went good too. And uh, Casey said, "Here's the tune that has been around longer than any other in the countdown: 14 consecutive weeks." Uh, the OJ's took this one up to number five and number one on the soul chart, and it kept it in the top ten for six weeks. It was written by Gamble and Huff. 
And because the song was six minutes and 51 seconds long, only the first part of the song received airplay at 3.37. And per Cashbox, the OJs were the 36th best-selling artists of the 70s, just ahead of Bread and just behind Cher. Mm. So, great song. Yep. All right. Uh, If you've listened to classic rock the last 47 years how long ago was this 1976 yeah 48 years you hear this song you'll know this song i'm sure they did it at the springfield civic center at the bottle throwing incident yeah ah oh, and uh I, i'm gonna go good yeah i i went good as well this is this is iconic So, Three Mon by Aerosmith off their album Aerosmith uh, in 73, actually. Um, it was, Sorry. But uh, yeah, it's debuting in the top 40 and it will get to number six. And this was the first single Aerosmith release. Steven Tyler had been working on the song on and off for about six years, writing it in bits and pieces. And he was able to complete it with the help of the rest of the band. Regarding the meaning of the song, Tyler explains, it's about the hunger to be somebody. Dream until your dreams come true. You're going to be hearing a lot about Mr. Rory Gallagher touring with a lot of artists in this countdown. He did three dates with Aerosmith in 1976. All right. I didn't like the song when it came out. I still don't. I'm going bad. Okay. Yeah. I, I, it's not my favorite Queen song for sure. I, I went good. Um, it's, it's become so iconic. I think it's become way more iconic in the last, you know, 10 years. 30, 30 years since since they did it in, in Wayne's World. Yeah. When did Wayne's World come out? Yeah, but even more so than when that, you know, that Queen movie came out as well. But yeah, Wayne's World. It. Yeah. Did you see it? I did. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so this is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, yeah. off their album uh, Night at the Opera. Huge song. I actually didn't like Queen much when they were uh, big in the 70s, but I've come to appreciate them a little bit more. But Casey yeah. said this this was the number one song in England for nine consecutive years. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's an important song. I really didn't like it when it came out, but I, older sister, sister number two had Queen records that, that I liked. Uh, this just, just just seems so freaking overblown, but and I think I've talked about this on this podcast before. When they did Live Aid, okay, they they were the best performance in Live Aid, at least over in Wembley, okay. Yeah, yeah, and and fantastic. And then you know things happened, and and we never really heard from them again. And uh, who, uh, well, now they're touring now with uh that adam lambert character yeah yeah I and saw it, it, it yeah it, it was his birthday a couple weeks ago he turned 41 yeah yeah well they they played the formula one that i was at at austin we were behind the stage and so as i heard them they sounded good yeah all right we're 32 one ticket please 
Music play by Barry White off his album Let the Music Play. We haven't had this one before. But this, uh, it's a great song. I love it. The title track off the off the album. It's peaking right here at number 32, but got to number nine in the UK and number four on the RB chart. It was a, an actually an outtake from his previous album, just another way to say I love you. And um, yeah, yeah, good song. I went good. And uh yep, unfortunately we lost. Barry on the uh, 4th of July 2003 at the age of 15. Great, great talent. We've, we've mentioned it before. Yep. All right. So we're going to go back 120 years, something like that. You ready? Casey's got some stuff going on for us. So it would have been, what, 70 years, I guess, right? So here we go. Well, now on American Top 40, let me tell you about the first million seller in the history of the recording business. In Naples, Italy, 103 years ago, was born the man who would come to be known as the greatest opera singer of all time, the immortal Enrico Caruso. His fantastic tenor voice dominated the first 20 years of this century, and people's memory of it dominated the next 20 years. Caruso died in the summer of 1921, leaving many, many recordings of his talent. And one of them, recorded in 1902, became the first million seller in history. Remember, there was no high fidelity then, and what he recorded was only a fraction of the legendary power and beauty of his voice. But here's a sample of that first million seller. Wow, rolls the R's like Charles. Of Enrico Caruso, <laughs> singing the aria Vesta la Juba from the opera I Pagliacci by Leon Cavallo. The first record ever to sell a million copies, 70 years ago. Now on with the countdown. Here now on AT40, the highest debuting record of the week at number 31, Rufus featuring Chaka Khan with Sweet Thing. So, <clears throat> remember that Bugs Bunny where it, it might have been the conductor where they're like, oh, 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 so-and-so, so-and-so is coming up and, and he takes yeah. a stick and goes, tap. And that reminds me of... Yeah, Le- wasn't it like Leopold? Something? Leopold. Yes. Leopold, Leopold, Leopold. Yeah. And he's, he's making the guy hold the note and he's turning red and purple. <laughs> yeah, I remember wasn't that. Wasn't the guy holding the note? So Leopold was... Bugs Bunny and the guy the singing conductor. Yeah. was Elmer Fudd. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, was he supposed to be Enrico? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. But that, 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 you know, with Casey's talking right there. But this is uh, Rufus featuring Miss Chuck Khan. Yeah. I'm going good on this, and I think we have some album art. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, so yeah, this one got to number five. Shaka wrote this song with uh, Tony Maiden, the guitarist in her band, Rufus. And Shaka has said Tony was her boyfriend at the time. The song was just spontaneous. Tony and her were just sitting around and it happened. And she said, we had that kind of chemistry and it was that kind of situation. We wrote the song in five minutes. And uh, yeah, we've talked about how Rufus's name came from a column in Popular Mechanics called Ask Rufus. And Shaka's, uh, she's still with us. She'll be 71 on March 23rd. That went good as well. And yeah, the album, it's, uh, it's, it looks uh, like they ripped off the Rolling Stones. Yeah, some giant lips, kind of a sideways view with teeth. And that's, uh, Only the top. The bottom, they were extracted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's got, yeah, Rufus uh, going across the top of the lips diagonally in cursive and cursive and kind of purple and green outline. And in yellow, featuring Shaka Khan under, underneath and, uh, around the circle. Looks very 70s-ish. Maybe I should have gotten the uh, little Casey talk about this and how this was a brother and sister act in 1938 or something. Right? Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. this. So, yeah, this is uh, Deep Purple by Donnie and Maria Osmond. And it's a song about Maria Osmond's love for Deep Purple's Richie Blackmore. <laughs> Actually, no. <laughs> the song was written by the composer and radio performer Peter DeRose in the early 1930s. And it became a standard when lyricist Mitchell Parrish added words in 1938. And it was covered and made big by Nino and April, parentheses, Tempo and Stevens, in 1963, going to number one. Uh, yeah, they were brother and sister. And it won the Grammy for Best Rock and Roll Recording of 1963. And this Donnie and Marie version will peak at number 14. And we talked about how band deep purple got their name from this song because it was richie blackmore's mother's favorite song i thought it was his grandmother's favorite song was it grandma i apologize but you talked over the sprections a by marie that's why i was going like this oh i'm sorry marie osmond sprechstimme we did have this one before i know i know yeah i went good I went bad. Organic cooking. Always at All right. Well, I'm going bad on this. Call me Mr. Natural. You go. So we're flip-flopping. good sea salt. Don't touch my lips. And my friends is always begging me to take them on macrobiotic trips. Yes, they are. All but night, I take out my strong box that I keep under lock and key. I liked this song when I was 10 years old. Daytime, I'm Mr. Natural, just as healthy as I can be. But at night, I'm a junk food junkie. Good Lord, have pity on me. So there it is, uh, Junk Food Junkie by Larry uh, Gross. 
and it, uh, was off the album Dr. Demento's 20th anniversary collection. So, oh no, Dr. Demento, yeah, it had to be on something earlier than that. Uh, like a single. It was really, yeah, it was released as a single, but it was, it yeah, was on yeah. the album. Yeah, yeah, okay. But Casey said, here's a tune that has become one of my favorite tunes this year. So I agree with Casey. I, I still like this one simply for the lyrics. And, yeah. and of course, I talk about my favorite line in there. Um, lately, I've been spotted with a Big Mac on my breath, stumbling into a Colonel Sanders with a face as white as death. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I don't think it, I don't think it's aged well for me. But yeah, I liked but, it when I was ten. Yeah, but we we talked about how uh, this was performed by Mackenzie Phillips uh, and the Jacksons on the June twenty third seventy six episode of the Jacksons TV variety show. Wow. Listen to classic rock, you know the song, Slow Ride. Yes. Like Foghead, I'm going good. I'm going good as well. And um, you've talked about this album art before. You want to bring it up? But yeah, third time around for this one on our show. It was in both episodes 36 and 45 for us. Pete uh, at number 20. The song also appeared on The Simpsons, Seinfeld, That 70s Show, and My Name is Earl. And Foghat got their name when uh, uh, one of the members, uh, Pavarit, came up with uh, a word while playing Scrabble with his brother. Uh, He convinced the band to go with it. Uh, instead of Brandywine. On February 12th, 1976, Foghat did a show you know, just a few weeks before this uh, countdown at the Civic Arena in Pittsburgh, along with Ace and Rory Gallagher. So I talked about uh, how I got my buddy Jaime a, a baseball hat, probably off the Foghat website 25 years ago or 20 years ago, that says Fog on it. It's a hat. And the reason I got it for him is because Richie M, who uh, had a hat like that in the seventh or eighth grade, and uh, sad to say, uh, you know, he was a he, he was a uh, a hood in, in junior high school and high school, and he passed away. He's my you know my age, our age. Mm-hmm. He just died last month, oh, and uh, but so Rich. Uh, will go on in my memories as the guy with the fog hat. And I didn't know who fog hat was <laughs> back in the seventh grade, even though I knew this song. But, uh, you know. And uh, so the album, famously, uh, album art has a guy in the middle of a city street fishing in the sewer. <laughs> it's uh, quite the album cover. I've just closed my eyes again Climbed aboard the dream weave train Trying to take away my worries out Oh This is Dreamweaver by Gary Wright Feel like I need to whisper uh, But uh, yeah, unfortunately we lost Gary uh, on September 4th last year at the age of 80 
And uh, Casey said, this is one of 26 songs in the countdown that was written or co-written by the artists or artists that performed them. Uh, this was in our episodes 45 and episode 60. Uh, on episode 60, it was in that What is Hip remix album. Uh, it got to number two and Gary Wright said the inspiration for the song was during the uh, he got it during the early 70s while reading more of the writings of Paramahansa Yoganada coming across a poem called God, God, God. One of the lines in the poem referred to the idea of the mind weaving dreams and he immediately thought wow, weaver of dreams, dream weaver. And he got into that because he worked with uh, George Harrison. Right. George Harrison was into all that. This is a big uh, LP song, Summer 76. It's in the record collection. I've talked about this before. Love this song. Yeah. I I went good to really, really good song. Is this another cover by Linda? Yes, it is. Is this a Motown song? It is. With a steel pedal? Yeah. So, so there it is. Track. So you must hate it. You hate country music. Tears. Um, well, I went <laughs> neutral on this version. So yeah, Tracks of My Tears by Linda Ronstadt off her album Prisoner in Disguise. It's a cover of the 1965 hit by Smokey Robinson and the Miracles that went to number 16. One of six remakes in this week's countdown. Miracles leader Smokey Robinson came up with the concept when he was looking in the mirror one day and thinking, what if a person could cry so much you could see the tracks of their tears in their face? Uh, Smokey Robinson, Warren Moore, and Marv Tarquin wrote the song. Four different artists have charted with this song in America. Johnny Rivers taking it to number 10 and 67. Aretha Franklin making 71 and 69. And this Linda Rund, that version getting uh, one notch higher from here to number 25. And uh, Linda was the 25th best-selling artist of the 70s, just ahead of the Rolling Stones and just behind KC and the Sunshine Band. She's still with us uh, at 77 years old. Yeah, what did you go on this one? I went good on that. I think Smokey Robinson is really good. And I think Linda did a nice job covering it in a way that made it a lot different than the original. Yeah. Which I think is important. I mean, you could just do a, you know, a photocopy of something. Like right. the the people that redid Africa by Toto in the last few years. So they, but this song here sucks. The White Knight by Cletus McGard and the whatever. Citizens bands. 
Yeah, uh, I, I went bad as well. Uh, we also had this before on uh, episode yeah. five. We yeah. talked about it, and uh, it was one of uh, three number one country songs during 76, which had CB radio as the central plot. Uh, one of the other ones was Teddy Bear by Red Savine, and we'll get to the other one later in this I'm going good. Yeah, I went good on this as well. This is this you hear still quite a bit on your classic rock. Golden Years by David Bowie off the album Station to Station. Third time around for this one in our show. And uh, this will get to number 10. Uh, David Bowie wrote this with the intention of giving it to Elvis Presley, but he reportedly refused the song. And then Elvis died two years later. Of course, David Bowie passed away on January 10th, 2016 at the age of 69. Hard to believe that it was that long ago now. Yeah. Well, this is a great song on a great LP. I have the LP in my collection. Station to Station, TVC15, Wild is the Wind. This song, there's a couple. It's like there's three, three tracks on either side of the LP. And uh, when I found David Bowie after Let's Dance came out and my sister number two had Ziggy Stardust, which I probably found in the year before, you know, David Bowie, one of, one of my favorites. I, I got a whole pile of vinyl upstairs. <clears throat> How did you get, did you print a postcard? How did you find my house <laughs> uh, yeah yeah i printed a postcard i grabbed your house off of google earth and printed a postcard and i'll be sent i i, I gotta send you one of those as well <laughs> so maybe we can talk so, about it in a, a later episode we'll talk about it in a later episode yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but uh yeah, I, I hope you got a chuckle out of that. <laughs> oh, I did. I did. I did. All right. I'm waiting for retaliation, actually. <laughs> Good morning, yesterday. You wake up and time has slipped away. This makes me want to go out and buy some film. Yeah. Pete's holding up some related product. <laughs> yeah. Some film and some slides. There it is, Times of Your Life by Paul Anka off the album Times of Your Life. And this was in our episode 36. This got to number seven. The song was part of Paul Anka's comeback in the mid-70s. The song is best known for being the theme song for the Kodak camera commercials and received a lot of airtime on television. Billy Lane and Roger Nichols wrote this. Uh, Nichols wrote many hits. Pete's showing more product up there. What's what's that, a little, one of those portable uh, disposable cameras? Is that what that is? No, no, this is actual slides. Oh, okay. This is uh, Summer Europe 90. Ah. Uh, Yale, uh, UConn football game, some lake. So 
I, I went through these slides, so. So I went good on this song. And um, the, the other thing I mentioned is my father's induction into his high school sports hall of fame in the late 2000s. My sister and I went to it uh, with him and they do a little biography of the person getting inducted. And then they'd call him up to get their plaque and they kept playing times of your life. And my sister, my sister and I had started cracking up because it just became, there were probably, uh, you know, a dozen inductees and we kept hearing it. So we want to hear it again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, now we're up to the fourth inductee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. We're going to go to number two, two. You know, so this song, my, my cousin's husband, Basel, said I, I gave this song a bad rap and oh and my cousin turned 59 last week oh. so my dad and his two twin sisters all had children in 1965 I'm the baby of the three of them oh wow so Kathleen happy birthday Kathleen I didn't send you a postcard or a birthday wish if Basel hears this pass it along Love you guys. But you know what? I think I like this song. I hate the name of it, Fanny. Yeah. But I'm 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 liking this song. Yeah. I um I went neutron, but it's um it's a pretty good song. You know, as they're as they're sort of slower, what I would call non-dance songs go. I, I, I like this one. So, what do you think of the album art? It's like an Escher almost. Yeah, it's not got, really. <laughs> you know, the background reminds me of like some kind of Victorian wallpaper. It's like gold with like um, kind of like a foliage pattern. And then um, got Bee Gees and like some old fashioned script. At the coming out of the S, there's like a spoon, and then there's a woman kind of bathing in the spoon. Oh my gosh, you need to get the electrical tape out. Yeah. <laughs> what is, is everything covered there? I, it's, it's no, little... you can see her, you can see her little, yeah, little yeah. thingies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or, or a band-aid like the Abraxas album. Yep. <laughs> but uh, kind of an interesting album cover. I don't remember seeing that before. Well, I never bought a Bee Gees record in my life. Yeah. yeah. And we didn't have it at the house. So this is from the LP main course. Yeah. And uh, this got to number 12. And they named it Fanny after their housekeeper. Time they were recording this. Well, now on American Top 40, I have the current smash by the hot new singing duo whose romantic songs and image have made them the sweethearts of pop music. 
They even got married on Valentine's Day. Oh. The wedding took place a couple of Happy years ago. Happy wedding anniversary. They decided on mm. the spur of the moment to get married. They drove to Virginia City, Nevada, an old mining town high in the hills above Reno. Sounded like a romantic, unusual place to get married, right? Well, Tony Tennille tells us that her wedding to the captain, Daryl Dragon, was anything but romantic. The only place in town to get married was a small wedding chapel connected to the Silver Queen Saloon. It's open 24 hours a day, it's free, and it comes equipped with a full-time marrying judge. Well, when Tony and the captain went looking for the judge, better than a hanging they had judge, to track him down in the saloon. They also found a couple of well-saturated customers there too. And since they needed two witnesses for their wedding, they asked them to come along. Well, Tony says she wasn't sure that the two witnesses would be able to stay on their feet during the wedding. But fortunately, the whole ceremony took just five minutes. End of storybook wedding beginning of happy ending this week on valentine's day tony and daryl dragon are celebrating their second anniversary and we'd like to wish them our very best now at number 21 in american top 40 let's hear their latest smash lonely Yeah, Lonely Night, parentheses, Angel Face by the Captain and Tennille off their album Song of Joy. It was also on our episode 45. Uh, it peaked at number three. It was written and originally recorded by Neil Sadaka on uh, his 1975 album, The Hungry Years. He also performed it on the January 24th, 76th episode of Saturday Night Live. Sonny and Cher sang this on the Sonny and Cher show in 1976. And uh, Tony, also uh, known as Catherine Antoinette Tennille, is still with us. She's 83. Singing duo Captain and... Well, we lost the captain, Daryl Dragon, in 2019 at the age of 76. So, you know, of course, the postcard from our buddy Rich was from Daryl Dragon Jr. Yeah. I, I, what was the reason that we got onto this Tony Peniel Daryl Dragon it, it, it was on, on that group chat? What was on their episode, the Deep Purple podcast, Daryl Dragon came up for some reason. And then they were talking about why didn't they call them the dragon and Tennille? <laughs> That's right. His last name was <laughs> That's right. He worked with he worked with someone from Bodas. Right. This, yeah. this song is so Bodas. Yes, Bodastical. Right? Yeah. This is so Bodastical. I'm I'm going good. What are you Captain going? And Tennille. I, I went neutral on it. I think uh, you're, boo. You, you're a bigger fan of the captain and Tennille than I am, but it's boo. not bad. It's, it's not bad. It's, I, th- it's, I think it's pretty darn good. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with that, uh, that, that scrunchy thing, you know, uh, what do you call that? That instrument with the ball bearings that go around the drum. Since before your sun burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. Uh, oh, it's not a vibra slap. It's you know what I'm talking about. Uh, 
Yeah. Did you have that kind of? In- we had like a whole drawer full of instruments in elementary school with, you know, vibra slaps and, you know. Yeah, I, I know what you're you know. talking about. I don't know what the name of it is, though. So. All right. <laughs> There it is, Baby Face by the Wing and Prayer Fife and Drum Corps. And we had this on episode 36. Baby Face is actually a popular Tin Pan Alley jazz song. The music was written by Harry Axe with lyrics by Benny Davis. The song was published in 1926. It was a big hit for a man named Art Mooney in 1948 when it went to number five. This version went to number 14. And the Wing and the Prayer Fife and Drum Corps was an American disco group in existence from 75 to 78. They were an assemblage of studio musicians, which, contrary to its name, had no fife players. And they were put together by Harold Wheeler. The group's vocalists were Linda November, Vivian Cherry, and Arlene Martell, and also Helen Miles. And this was their only pop hit. I went neutral on this. I do remember this vividly from the time, though. Oh, yeah, I remember it, too. All I can think of is, like, Carol Channon singing this song, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm going to go neutral. What do you do? I'm sorry. I went neutral as well. Yeah. Good. I wonder if Ethel Merman ever did this one. Yeah. All I can it. think of is, you know, good for them to take a song from the 20s or 30s and Make it a hit. Yeah. Just go fight it. Yep. You found time. Uh, okay. This is Helen. I found love enough to hold I'm actually going to go sap. Tonight, I'll stir the fire you feel. Yeah. I. Until the flames. I struggled with this, but I think I but was. But the hook is great. Right kind. here. Yeah, Somewhere in the Night by Helen Reddy off her album No Way to Treat a Lady. And this was also in our episode 36 from January 10th, written by Richard Kerr and lyricist Will Jennings, which was a U.S. Top 20 hit for both Helen Reddy and Barry Manilow. Somewhere in the Night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Appeared on four 1975 album releases. You Are a Song by Bardoff and Rodney, Rising Sun by Yvonne Elliman, and this version off of No Way to Treat a Lady by Helen Reddy, released in July of 75. And also Kim Carnes had it on her album in 75. This version hit number 19. Barry Manilow's version reached number 9 on the Hot 100 in early 1979. And uh, per Cashbox, Helen Reddy was the 16th best-selling artist of the 70s. Interestingly, just ahead of Barry Manilow and just behind Olivia Newton-John. And uh, she passed away in 2020 at the age of 78. I, I, I went new troll on it I, I i think the hook might uh might it's a great hook it. it's beautiful i also like barry's version okay yeah. but yeah, i i think even, I like even though a little better but yeah
Oh, yeah. There it is. December 63, parentheses, Oh, What a Night, close parentheses, by the Four Seasons, off their album, Who Loves You. And this was the number one song on our episode 45 from March 13th, 76. Casey said, now here's the hottest song in the countdown, moving up 10 notches by the Four Seasons. It debuted two weeks ago at 40, last week at 28. And this week, all the way up to 18. And according to the co-writer and longtime group member Bob Gaudio, the song was originally set in 1933 with the title December 5th, 1933, and it celebrated the repeal of Prohibition. So this was the fifth and final number one hit in the U.S. for the four seasons. And Frankie also known as Francesco Steven Castelluccio, Lucio. will be 90 years old on May 3rd of this year. And uh, so yeah, I, it went good. Yeah, me too. So I, I think something similar is the she, she carry, which is a Yorba percussion instrument consisting of a dried gourd with beads or crow, crowies woven into a net. It's a with a quick internet lookup, maybe someone that knows progressive instruments, you know, can tell me a little bit more. Yeah. But more importantly, we have album art, right? I think. Uh, yeah, I believe so. All right, I gotta, I gotta get it here so we can see it. How about right here? There we go. Yeah, so this is, I didn't expect this from the Four Seasons for some reason. It's its a little creepy. I guess I would describe this, it's like a dark background with a, a face where you only kind of see the eyes and part of the nose. Oh, kind of like that John Fogarty record. Or, or, or what's that other record with the eyes? Uh, uh, the guy from the Beagles, uh, Joe Walsh, the Confessor. Yeah, <laughs> and kind of like uh, that that uh, live stream of the Deep Purple podcast we were on with the between the eyes. They had the eyes on the stage <laughs> over yeah, the stage. That's right. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So you see that in the background, like a dark face with like eyes. I'm not even sure it's a human face or is it an animal. But uh, and then there's a human hand coming out of it, and it's holding. I'm assuming a, a female singer that's kind of dressed in a, a tight suit with boots and she's got like a cape and long curly blonde hair. Uh, so yeah, just, just... And she has sparks coming out of the bottom of her shoes. Yeah, yeah. On so, the hand. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just kind of... I, I was sort of struck by that. I, I, I'd never seen that album cover and kind of wild. <laughs> this is a great song. Yeah. All right, number 17. You went good, didn't you? On December 63? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go bad on this. I know, don't remember the song. Uh, I I did too. So this is 
Grow Some Funk of Your Own by Elton John off his album Rock of the Westies. This song went to number 14, but in Britain it broke a five-year run of successful singles by falling to or failing to reach the top 50 despite being extensively played. Uh, guitarist yeah. Davey Johnstone is credited as co-writer. I, I went bad because you, you, you've got a song with... Uh, you know, grow some funk in the title and it's not funky at all and it's not yeah, and this is and this is the record that had island girl on it and don't go breaking my heart yeah. which were huge songs in the summer of 76 this song you know and, and so this was this the first single off the record because it stinks compared to those other two songs yeah i i don't know what the release uh, order was but um but yeah, Elton will turn 77 years old on March 5th. And July 31st, 1971, uh, Elton was uh, performing at the Garden Party 2 in England with uh, Fairpoint Convention and Yes, and also Rory Gallagher. What was the American public thinking when they made that number? 17. 17. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We have a little more album art, right? Yeah. Everyone knows this song. This is the Who squeeze box. Yeah. So the album art, it's kind of like a those old draw by numbers things we used to have where they'd, they'd give you the numbers and you'd race between them to complete the drawing. So they've got the band members on there, and uh, yeah, so and, all... and Twistle on the left, Keith Moon in the middle, yep. Keith Townsend over his left shoulder, and then Roger Daltrey on the right. Yeah. Yep, and it's yeah, it's the Who by Numbers is the uh, name of the album. So and John Ed Twistle, he wrote it. He, he, I think he. Yeah, that's his signature in the bottom yeah. left. Yeah, I yeah, wonder so. if he if he did the album art. Yeah, I'm assuming he did. He it's did. great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really good. Yeah, I'm going good. Yeah, I went good. I was going to ask you since your since your your mom played the accordion. Were you, are they aware of this song? <laughs> no. Come on. Okay. Come on. No. They were born in the 30s. I know, I know. I was just... Uh... Were your folks, you know? No, no. No, it's like us today with... Even though we're 15 years older than our folks were back. <laughs> yeah. Back with this day. So this one is peaking right here at number 16. Casem in Hollywood. At number 15 this week, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. This is a former number one soul song. It's called Wake Up Everybody No More Sleeping in Bed. I had to get no Casey in there because he did your work. He lifted for you right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm Casey, going good. Casey's reliable. Uh, I went good too. Yeah, this is Wake Up Everybody Part One by, yeah, as Casey said, Hero. <laughs> he did the work. I'm repeating it by Harold <laughs> Melvin and the Blue Notes. But, um, you know, you just did, you just made scrap. Okay. Yeah. You did it twice. Yeah. <laughs> Only do things once and don't over mouse. 
Okay. Yeah. So this was uh, this was uh, their last top forty hit with uh, drummer lead singer Teddy Pendergrass. He left for a solo career that was cut short by an automobile accident, and uh, David Ebo became the lead singer in 1976 after Pendergrass left, and this got to number twelve. Uh, I, I think this is a really nice calming R&B song and kind of timeless. It's beautiful. You know, this is... I I can hear Paul and Oates ripping this off. You know? Or, I don't know, maybe it's vice versa, but it's, it's so smooth and good. Yeah. All right, we're going to get a little Casey for uh, number 14. Here's Eric Carmen. He was once a member of a group called Raspberries. Remember they had an album out called Fresh Raspberries and it smelled like raspberries? Well, here now is the odorless Eric Carmen with All By Myself. When I was young. <laughs> How does Casey know that? <laughs> right. What, and, and, he, and he doesn't poop either? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see, where's like raspberry cologne or something? I, I don't know, Eric. I love you, but I'm going sap. Yeah, I, I did too. I just, I just can't. But um, yeah, this was also in our episode 36. It peaked at uh, number two during that countdown. And uh, when he wrote this, uh, Eric Carmen thought Rachmaninoff music was in the public domain, meaning he could use it free of charge. But after the song came out, he found out it wasn't and agreed to a settlement with the... Hence the sap. Yes. With the Rachmaninoff estate, he had to settle. So uh, Celine Dion covered this in 1996. Her version hit number four in the U.S. and number six in the U.K. Barry I've never w- heard it, have you? Oh, yeah. yeah. You've and heard not- the Celine Dion version? Yeah. What do you yeah. listen? It's a light 100.5? I, I, it was a big song um, back then. Was yeah. it on the on the radio at oh, the yeah. plant? Uh, probably, yeah. I don't remember it. Yeah, but um, there was a video too. I remember. I think you watch videos in the early late nineties. I, I just remember Pete. I don't know. <laughs> but more importantly, okay, Barry Williams and Florence Henderson, aka Greg and Carol Brady, performed this on the Brady Bunch Variety Hour in nineteen seventy-seven. <laughs> <laughs> Which didn't you, didn't you tweet something out on our Twitter machine uh, at 70s Weekly or at 70s Weekly about the Brady Bunch today? Um, today, uh, there might have been something I can't remember, but I sent you that thing about the, the documentary that was done in the style of the Ken Burns Civil War. You got to watch that. Also, have you seen the 90s movies they did with the Brady Bunch and the, the very Brady sequel? I saw the first one with Shelley Long. Yeah, the, the second I didn't, one. I didn't see the, the I didn't see the second one. The second one's pretty good too because they go to Hawaii and Don Ho's there, and, <laughs> <laughs> and and a few other cameos. But uh, so Eric Carmen is seventy four, and uh, in in 2016 he married former newscaster Amy Murphy. So I assume he's no longer by himself. Yeah. 
Not like me. <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't like the song. Yeah, I'm sorry to give you grief on that one. That, you know, I, I know, I know, no pop culture after for the last thirty years. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I stopped buying records. I stopped listening to the radio. Yeah, I I couldn't tell you why. I, I know the Celine Dion version. I think I just somehow got exposed to it. Maybe it was through Gail, or I, I don't think she yeah, was a big well, you know, Celine Dion fan. But maybe yeah. it was on the on the work. Yeah, because yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, we got some album art. This is Nazareth uh, from the LP Hair of the Dog. This is Love Hurts. I'm going bad. I think. Um, but want to describe the. Uh, I went bad because I didn't like the song when it came out. Yeah, I went I went neutral, but yeah, the album it's a, sort of a purplish hued album, and it's it looks like sort of some kind of tent or shelter that these very evil-looking dogs are coming out of. Devil Dog, the Hound of Hell, Tuesday at nine, eight Central and Mountain, right after the Paper Chase. And it looks like there's like some skulls on the ground. It, it looks like they ripped off where the wild things are. Ah, okay. Remember that? That was pop culture from elementary school. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It does the the artwork does kind of look like that? Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, you you would have never thought this song was on an album cover like that for some reason. <laughs> well, you remember Hair of the Dog? Yeah. Isn't the hair of the dog like when you wake up in the morning and you have cotton mouth? Yeah. But yeah. um so Casey said uh these are four men from Scotland, don't you know? And they've been together <laughs> since nineteen sixty eight. And this was in both our episodes thirty six and forty five, peaked at number eight. So Nazareth took their name from their favorite group, the band, the first line of the the song The Wait. And um this song was originally uh, released by the Everly Brothers in 1960. Uh, and in 1972, Nazareth supported Deep Purple on tour and issued the Roger Glover-produced Razamanaz, which spawned two top ten UK hits. And the, and the title track of this album, of course, became a you know 70s rock radio staple. Yeah. And we just heard the beginning of the Beagles. And we're not going to uh, yeah. put the Beagles on. No, because of... Uh, oh, you know. one thing I wanted to mention, too, with the Nazareth song. So um, uh, February 3rd and 4th, Nazareth did two dates in Georgia with Deep Purple and Rory Gallagher. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought they got the name of their band from, you know, the New Testament. So Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to hear a, a little bit of Casey right now down now and it's one of two current hits inspired by citizens band radio and do you know what a huge hit cb radio has become you know it took 16 years for the first million licenses to be issued and only one year for the next two million the thing that gave cb radio such a big boost was the 55 mile an hour speed limit that came in a couple of years ago that's when truckers began using the airwaves to avoid highway patrol cars And naturally, the press did a lot with that, and sales of CB radio equipment just skyrocketed. But that's not all CB radio is about. 
Truckers have been using it for years to check weather and road conditions. And here now is the first big chart record inspired by CB radio. Yeah, Breaker 1-9, this here's a rubber duck. You got a copy on me, big fan? I thought I heard your CB radio cutting yeah, in in the background. Sure, <laughs> yeah. Sure. By golly, it's clean, clear to Flagtown. Come on. So, yeah, of course, this is a convoy, C.W. McCall, off the album Black Bear Road. I don't know. Songs about technology and pop culture don't age well. <laughs> but this got to number one at the time. And uh, C.W. McCall is a character created by songwriter Bill Fraze. And uh, we talked extensively about the origin of the song and the character in episode 36. And uh, Sam Peckinpah made a 1970s. 78 movie based on the song starring the movie was called convoy and it starred chris christopherson and ally mcgraw but um i went bad on this i when i was listening to this uh doing my research i got really irritated with it <laughs> yeah i went neutral now, ally mcgraw i think was in the winds of war Yes, she was. Yeah. Yeah. What, what'd you do on on the Beagle song? I went bad. Yeah, I went bad too. Did we even say what it was? Yeah, them smoky. Take it to the limit. Yeah. They even had a bear in the air. I says, calling all right. All right, we're going on to uh, the top ten. Here's number ten. Got some album art. It is four times for you. Thankful okay. Woman by ELO, Electric Light Orchestra. Spell out your acronyms. Good job, son. At the author album Face the Music. And yeah, looking at the album art, uh, <laughs> it's it's Grandpa Munster's chair. <laughs> it's an electric chair. <laughs> And not one to, to, to massage your back. It's no. End things when the state says you did bad things. Yeah, so I guess that's kind of supposed to represent facing the music. Yeah, so, um, yeah, kind of a cool album art. And, um, yeah, this song. Yeah, if, you saw, if you saw that, would you want to buy that? I mean, <laughs> you know, what it what, what if Tipper Gore saw that LP cover? <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's just as bad as like Mental Health by uh, you know the guy uh, who was that metal band in the nine eighties uh, Quiet Riot, you know? Oh, okay. You no, know, Tipper Gore and, and who's who's the other one? The other senator's wife uh, wasn't Hillary Clinton. She was a real senator. Well, she was a senator. I don't know. 
Well, you know who who was the big opposition to her, though? Your, your boy Frank Zappa. <laughs> and John Denver. Yeah. <laughs> and Dee Snyder. Yeah. <laughs> what a so. what a trio. <laughs> yeah. They should have put a record out. Yeah. All right. I I went I actually went good on this because I think it's well done. It's good. And uh, yeah, set in 76, ELO did two concert dates in California with Jethro Tull and Rory Gallagher. Uh, here is. Don't take your love. Here's the enemy of the people. <laughs> the snitching cheat. <laughs> yep. Don't you leave my heart Half of the list, pig Cause if you go Then I'll be blue Breaking up is hard to do There it is, so uh, yeah Breaking Up is Hard to Do by Neil Sadaka. This was also in our episode 36. He was the first solo artist in the rock era to hit the top 40 with two completely different arrangements of the same song released more than a decade apart. He took a nine-year leave of absence from the pop scene when the British invasion hit. His original version hit number one in 1962, but this new bluesy version that uh, got uh, one notch higher than here to number eight was uh, his 18th top 40 billboard hit out of a career total of 21 uh, Sadaka's back so yeah uh, in 2010 Sadaka released uh, Waking Up is Hard to Do a collection of his songs reinterpreted as children's songs so, uh, this was off his album Hungry Years you know what when we see Rich next week thank you for the postcard Rich I want him to do this in his band. What's his band called? Since before your sun burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's like Bob and Rich or something. There's two uh, Bobs and or BR, BR, Be Right Back. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll uh, if I'll, I'll edit that in here. Double bill. I can I can hear Rich singing this. Yeah, this version. So, so hard I went good I, on that. I went neutral. This, on the other hand. Good. Same here. But the lyrics to this are fantastic. <laughs> My voltage regulator coos. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> It's called Wait. Double Bill is the name <laughs> of the band. Ah, okay. So yeah, this of course is Love Machine by The Miracles off their album City of Angels. And Casey said, 
This is the first time the Miracles have placed a song in the top 10 since Tears of a Clown in 1970. By the way, since Smokey Robinson left. Right. (laughs) And uh, that one went to number one. But this was in both our episodes 36 and 45. This will get to number one. The lyrics are just awesome. And the uh, Miracle Bobby Rogers playful growls are Great. Great baseline by Scott Edwards, who played on the big hits, quoted You Are the Sunshine of My Life, Stevie Wonder, I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor, Bad Girls by Donna Summer, Shake Your Groove Thing by Peaches and Herb, and Rhinestone Cowboy by Glenn Campbell. Also, Sarah wow. Smiles, All in Oats. So, quite the thing. I, I went I went good on this, of course. Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. Love yeah. everything about it. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah, good as well. (laughs) Say Say what? what? (laughs) Yeah, so Love Roller Coaster by the Ohio Players off their album Honey. This also got to number one and was in our episode 36. And the Ohio players' love roller coaster really did come from a harrowing aircraft flight. Someone on the plane commented that the pilots must love their jobs since the airplane ride was a love roller coaster. (laughs) And uh, lead singer Leroy Sugarfoot Bonner wrote the lyrics around that phrase with the band working up the track. Both the writing and production credits on the song go to the band. All right, this is tough. I'll, I'll tell you, I went good on it. I, put the words and the I love when uh, Frank Sinatra did this, and he changed out the lyrics. I think you told me about it, where where I wrote a little rock and roll. He said, swing or something. Yeah. <laughs> swing. I've got more swing in my stool than you. <laughs> I'm going good. You went good, right? Yeah. So this is I Write the Songs by Barry Manilow off his album Trying to Get the Feeling. One of the reasons I went good is actually the the sort of background of the song. So the song will get to number one, and it was written by Bruce Johnston, who was a member of the Beach Boys. And the song is sometimes erroneously rumored to be about Brian Wilson, but... Uh, Johnson cleared this up when he said the captain and Tennille were the first artists to record my song I Write the Songs Uh, but he didn't write it about Brian Wilson he said he wrote it about where music comes from for me the music comes only from God and uh, David Cassidy released a successful version that was a single in England and hit number 11 on the UK charts. Clive Davis, who was in charge of Manilow's record label, heard Cassidy's version and had Manilow record it. And this won the Grammy for Song of the Year. The Beach Boys never won a Grammy. And after winning this, Johnston became the only member of the group to get one until Brian Wilson's Mrs. O'Leary's Cow was awarded Best Rock Instrumental in 2005. I don't remember Mrs. O'Leary's Cow. But then again, I wasn't listening to the radio in 2005. Yeah. So you can move. 
mega dittos. I love what you said there. Let's probably listen to Rush Limbaugh then. <laughs> you know, I think when I turned 30, I just started listening to AM radio more and stuff, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, Mr. Johnson, he, uh, he, wrote, he wrote a lot of good songs, and I, I love that story. So. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So, you know, this is the Valentine's episode. There's a lot of songs with love in the title, and there's a lot of songs that are about the love of music. Well, there's eight songs that have the word love in it. Right. I counted it up. And there's one song that has the word love in twice that we haven't gotten to yet. Mm. So, yeah. Here it is. Sing a song by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Off their album, Gratitude. And this was the number one soul song. And it peaked right here at number five on the pop chart. Sing a song was built around a riff that their guitarist, Al McKay, came up with in the dressing room during a gig. McKay finished writing the song with group leader Maurice White, who kept the lyrics simple, a joyful message about the power of song. The album Gratitude was a double album with one side featuring studio tracks like this one and the remaining three sides recorded live. It sold over 3 million copies. And on October 9th, 1973, Earth, Wind & Fire played the Cow Palace in Daly City, California with Faces, Rod Stewart, and none other than Rory Gallagher. And also on August 25th, 1974, the radio show The King Biscuit Flower Hour featured Earth, Wind & Fire and also Rory Gallagher. He is threaded all through this countdown. Great song. Yeah. Let's go to the most violent TV show ever produced for television. (laughs) More so than Mannix? (laughs) I remember I was not allowed to watch this show. Number one, it was on too late. Yeah. Number two, you know, it was probably in the cover of Time Magazine saying the most violent television show on television. So. Yeah. So yeah. But this is a great song. You know, I, I, I'm, I don't think I've ever seen an episode of SWAT because I was not allowed to. And mm-hmm. didn't they come out with SWAT like in the last ten years? Yeah, yeah, they did a reboot, I believe. And I never saw that either. I never saw the new Hawaii Five O. Did you? Um, I've watched a few of the early episodes. Yeah, it was okay. But yeah, yeah, but were they dressed like McGarrett driving a Mercury? No, no. They, yeah, they so why enticed. watch it? Yeah. All right, I'm going good. 
Yeah, I went good. So this is, yeah, Theme from Swap by Rhythm Heritage off their album Disco Fied, which we might want to cover on an episode uh, at some okay. point. But um, yeah, third time for this one on our show. It got to number one. Was the first TV theme song to reach number one on the Hot 100. Rhythm Heritage was a studio act assembled by producers Steve Berry and Michael Omashian. Omardian. Omardian? Okay, maybe I spelled it wrong. But they also did the theme from Beretta. Number three. I believe in miracles. All right. I'm going good. What are you doing? Yeah, I went good too. I think we have some album art for we this. We do have album art, yeah. Yeah, so uh, this is yeah, You Sexy Thing by Hot Chocolate off their album Hot Chocolate. Uh, another one that's been on uh, our show three times now. It's peaking right here at number three. Lead singer Errol Brown wrote this for his wife, Jeanette. This was a hit in over 50 countries, and in the UK, it sold over a million copies, but stalled at number two behind Bohemian Rhapsody for six. So the album is, um, it's it's a sort of cartoonish drawing, but it's got a mug that says hot chocolate and kind of some funky font. Funky it looks font. like something off the side of a Hot Wheels. It looks like yeah. the Hot Wheels font. It is. It looks exactly like the Hot Wheels font, especially with the hot there too. That's right. And I would that be? Is that like an Oreo cookie uh, on the bottom right? On the bottom Could right. Be. Yeah. yeah. So it looks like I don't know, it. you'd have to ask George Jefferson. Yeah. But, what he um, thinks of his neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> but inside the uh, the mug, you've got. I, I'm assuming caricatures of the band, three members, uh, guitarist uh, that's wearing a cap, and then a, a female. Uh, well, I don't know if that's a female no. drummer or not. No, um, no. But, <laughs> yeah, a female oh, drummer with with mutton chops, okay, uh, or uh, sideburns. I, I apologize, but you know the that hairstyle. <laughs> Back in well, he's the got a big giant afro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I thought it was like an Angela Davis type of afro. <laughs> oh, <laughs> who's that? <laughs> she was the uh, yeah the the kind of militant uh, uh, political activist in the seventies. Okay, it, it's more like Link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like Link from what was that show? Uh, the Mod Squad. Mod yeah. Squad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But anyway, kind of cool. I, li- I like the album cover. So this is the one that repeats love twice in the title. Love to Love You Baby by Donna Summer. Off the album, Love to Love You Baby. Yeah, another three-timer on our uh, show here. This was the song I wished Ethel Merman had done on her disco album. <laughs> but uh, this was Donna Summer's first big Oh, love to love you, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, the song's peaking right here at number two, and Donna Summer wrote this with the help of the European producer Giorgio Moroder. Giorgio Moroder. And also Pete Belote and uh, 
For Cashbox, Donna was the 20th best-selling artist in the 70s, just ahead of Aretha Franklin and just behind the Beagles. This is one of three orgasm songs of the 70s, Pillow Talk and Jungle Fever, as well as the Muskrat Love Muskrat Orgasm. We're going to go on to the number we, one. We song. lost Donna, the great talent, at the age of 63 in 2012. But uh, I went I went neutral on this song. So it's, a, it's a bit much. That went good. The problem is all inside your head, she said to me. I'm going good. If you take it logically. Yeah, good for me, too. I'd like to help you in your struggle to be free. There must be 50 ways to leave your lover. So, yeah. We've had this before. This is great. Yeah. You know? And of course. You know, the little drumming. Yeah. And, and where it goes through, right? Not now. <laughs> but right now. Slip out the back, Jack. Make a new plan, Stan. You don't need to be coy, Roy. You know, you think of list songs, you know, that awful Billy Joel song, We Can't Start the Fire. Mm-hmm. I think he ripped this off from this song, okay? Could have. But uh, yeah, so this, of course, is, yeah, Paul Simon, and it's off the album Still Crazy After All These Years. Also another song three-timer for us on our show. Paul made this song up while teaching his nephew how to rhyme. And, uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer's, Carl Palmer, cites Steve Gadd's drumming on this track as some of the best he'd ever heard. And uh, the 82-year-old Paul Simon was... Uh, to me, surprisingly, only the 53rd best-selling artist of the 70s, just ahead of the Partridge family, but just behind James Taylor. And uh, this song, however, was the 91st best-selling song of the 70s, just ahead of Cher's Half-Breed and just behind Roberta Flack's Killing Me Softly. Well, it's a great song. Yeah. So... All right. This is the best part. I can remember in elementary school, you know, people would, including myself, you know, hop on the bus, Gus. Don't need to discuss much. Just drop off the key and get yourself free. Iconic. Yeah. All right. So what's also iconic? Our ratings? Yeah. The end of our show where we do our ratings and things. The first one we typically do to get it out of the way is that song we think will torture the poor other guy. And uh, the song we call? Your agonizer, please. No, Mr. Spock! 75 or 85 or 20 Number 25. Yeah. Good, good choice. I, I, I mean, as annoying as I thought Convoy was when I listened to it, this is much worse. <laughs> okay, that'd be for you. What do you got for me? Uh, yeah, I went with this one because I know you were, uh, when we had it previously, you didn't like it at all. Uh, number 13. Okay. Yeah, I went bad on that. All right. I'm going to go to the best song of the countdown. You ready? 
Yeah. Sure. 32. One ticket, please. Yeah. I crossed off something, as you can see, on my chart here. Yeah. For those of you watching on Channel 18. Yeah, I can't read what it was, but... Yeah, I ain't going to tell you. You'd have to come over and sift through my uh, file cabinet, just like they do on the $6 million man at Mannix and <laughs> Matlock. It's yeah. great. <laughs> you go to these old TV shows, and they're like, they break in, you know, the, the guy that was... Uh, uh, Trebet on uh, uh, Walker, Texas Ranger was the helper of of Ben Matlock, and he would sneak in and he would open up a file cabinet and find the file right away. Yeah, I, I, I once uh, you remember that show Spencer for Hire? Sure. Yeah. I, I I read the novels that that show was based on a lot of them, and uh, you know they. they alluding to that at one point spencer goes into this guy's office and there's like a file cabinet you know a smaller one and it's like instead of sitting there and ruffling through waiting for the cops to arrive he just took the whole cabinet with him <laughs> it's like sealing an atm yeah <laughs> all right i love this song i love barry white you know god bless him what a talent and, yeah uh, and hopefully he made a lot of money for Liggett or uh, whoever, whatever cigarette he smoked. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I, I went with something I think you'll you'll you're probably gonna like too, and and that was number five. Oh yeah. Ow. Yeah. Great song. Great record. Song. Yeah. Sing a song by Earth, Wind, and Fire. I'll tell you what, though, uh, very close second for me was uh, number 35. I love music. And and you th- uh, what I was saying is uh, we've got sing a song, I love music, and I write the songs. Three songs in this countdown that kind of celebrate just music, right? Yeah. So, kind of cool. All right. <clears throat> How about you go next for the worst song in the countdown? Yeah, yeah. I think I probably alluded to it. Um, I actually, I think I had picked uh, the uh, one you picked for my agonizer previously as the worst song, so I had to go with something different. So I went with number 11. Breaker 1-9, this oh. is a rubbish. Okay. <laughs> you got a copy on me, big fan? Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. She didn't even call. And I tell you, I love... When 70s on 7 on Sirius XM has a, on October 4th, 10 4 day, and CMB McCaw is the host. All he does is he plays the crap like this. Oh, God. Well, it, it, it's interspersed with all the other stuff. He comes on and he, and he does. Isn't he the guy that. Is CMB McCaw or, or the character? Isn't he like the Mannheim steamroller guy? I mean, like a real guy, you know? I, I don't know. I, I don't know the details. The character was was made up, but it was a popular, like, local TV uh, ad for, like, this cafe bakery, I think. Yeah, but he, he, he there's his picture. He looks like John Denver, okay? Yeah. Here we go. In collaboration with co-worker Chip Davis, who also founded Mannheim Steamroller. Ah, okay. So Chip Davis yeah. did that. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. By and the time we got into Tulsa Town, we had 85 trucks in all, later life in Ouray. Where the hell's Ouray? Ouray, Colorado. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I should know that. That's, that was an old mining town. Oh, he died two years ago, April, at the age of 93. So maybe they don't do the 10-4 day anymore, but uh, good for him. Yeah. And I I think I might have liked this song when it was out back then because it was, you know, <laughs> like I said, it was like this pop culture technology thing. It's just, yep. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go to my... It reminds me of Ruby Vine. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> not not only can you get a 14 channel CB, but a 40 channel. <laughs> Come down and see me and Choo Choo. So this is my worst song. This is Babyface. Like I said earlier, Carol Channing. Um, God bless him, but come on, you know. Yeah. What What was the American public thinking? Were they thinking that, you know, here here you'd have, you know, Uncle Sam come out with all these people <laughs> in the bicentennial, you know, because James Watt didn't exist yet in the public <laughs> conscious, and the Beach Boys aren't allowed on the mall. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm mixing. I, I'm mixing it all up. You, oh, you are, goodness. but I could almost picture up with people doing this at a halftime <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm really close. I'm going to go to my guilty pleasure. Okay. All right. Number fifteen. This is a beautiful song. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good choice. And, and like, if you really listen to the lyrics, it's just as relevant today. Just kind of, kind of the hopes for a better world. Because I'm sure when I was 10 years old, going on 11, I was like, "This sucks." Give me Casey and the Sunshine Band, or you know, Slow Ride, or something. You know, so. Love it. Yeah, the backing well, it's great too. Well, it's guilty. I'm guilty. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. So, all right, what do you have for your guilty pleasure? Yeah, I went with something um you know me, it's probably obvious, but uh, number seven. Oh. When's the last time you were on a roller coaster? Probably in the Probably in 1979, maybe, when I went to uh, Disney World, went on Space Mountain. Uh, you know, there's... Where I, I Millie can't remember Va- going on one after that. Yeah. Where Millie Vanilli played. Yeah, yeah. And the tape broke. There's now a roller coaster there. Yeah. They have a loop coaster there, too, don't they? And then they got the one that I, goes into the mountain. I don't think they have one in a mountain there, but I, I went there with my daughter and her two friends, and I had a Heavy D show up because I didn't want to sit there by myself the whole day, you know, about eight years ago, seven years ago. But they have a plaque in the ground that says this is where the stage was when the tape broke. Yeah, yeah. And I saw the B-52s there, and I saw Santana there. Did you ever see a show there? 
I saw Santana there as well. We didn't go. Oh, together. another concert. Yeah, There's another been one. enough fighting over flags. Yeah. Oh, no. Wrong concert. <laughs> and uh, my niece and nephew both worked there uh, as teenagers in the summer. They had all kinds of great stories. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, What's our next category? The next one is our story song of the week. Here's the story. I'm going to go with number nine. You tell me that you're leaving. Story. I can't believe it's true. Breaking yeah. up is hard to do. Girl, yeah, sad story. Yeah. yeah. Without All right. You. It's a good story. What's yeah. your story? Yeah, so interesting. We're we're kind of both throwing back uh, on this one. I went with the uh, number eighteen, mixing it up a little bit. I'd say. Oh, what a night. Late December, back in well, neither of us were born then, right? Nope. I would be born a, a year later, roughly. Ish. Yeah, this is a good story song. Yeah, it's a good song too. I, I always like this one. All right, all right. Now we get to the so, the hardest category ever invented by Mark Roback. <laughs> yeah, it's a challenge every week. <laughs> yeah. All right. How about you do yours first? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think I was very inventive, but uh, the first one I picked uh, was uh, number 20. Oh, what is this category? Did you say it yet? I didn't say it. So this is the the most divergent songs. Okay. Uh, however you want to interpret divergent. So my first one is number 29. Oh, thir- <laughs> 39. I fat fingered it. Oh, love this song. And after seeing these guys... I tell you, wicked appreciation for the Commodores. Yeah. All right. Yeah, this is nice. Enough of my of, of my Commodores love. Yeah. So this is what sweet. do you have? So this is sweet love. Yeah. So it's, it's talking about love. It's very sweet. And you're gonna pull up junk food junkie. Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, okay. I, I, I think this is juxtaposed with uh, number 13. <laughs> so I'm agonizing you twice. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? What the <laughs> HE double hockey sticks are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. So sweet love versus love hurts. Uh, that, that, that's my divergency in this, in this episode. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to. Um... Like when we were in elementary school, diagram this. All right. Remember diagramming sentences? Uh, yeah, sort of. <laughs> Where you had a line and, and like the adverbs were up top and the right. nouns were at the bottom and the. Yeah. You know, and I remember that, but I don't know why. You know, what was the purpose? Right. Yeah. All right. I've never diagrammed sentences after, you know, like the sixth or seventh grade have you no i get that's a good point i guess it was just for you to be able to identify the you know, sections of the sentence but 
there was something on Twitter today and it showed <laughs> Howard Cosell and on either side of them was uh, Bruce Jenner and OJ Simpson. <laughs> and the quote was, <laughs> it was supposed to be Howard Cosell saying, I've seen the future. You're not going to believe it. <laughs> <laughs> And you're not going to believe my divergent songs. I'm going to start with number 34. Dream on, right? Yeah. So you're dreaming. I've had weird dreams. I'm trying to write them down and remember them, but I'd never do that because I'm asleep. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, you're dreaming. I have a lot of weird dreams lately. So you're dreaming, you dream on, wake up, everybody, no more sleeping. And then you wake up, okay. All right, and I know this was my guilty pleasure. Yeah, well, no, the. The rules committee ruled that we could reuse for the divergent because we'd run out of songs. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you're dreaming and then you wake up and you're like, what What did I dream about? And, and then you try to remember because you wake up. Yeah. Why, why is that? Is it, is it a Freudism? Or is that where you hate your mother? I <laughs> <laughs> love her. I, 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 no, that's uh, Oedipus. Yeah. And then you gotta gouge your eyes out, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Beautiful but, song. But yeah, great, great song. Yeah. All right, so I'm gonna... Um, well, we have our next thing to do here, right? All right, Mark, what time is it? It's time that we uh, we rate this countdown. Otherwise known as of now, tally time. <laughs> okay. All right. So, good. I had 27. The rollback had 23. Oh, Bad. The rollback had five. The Gardo had seven. Neutral. The rollback 11, the Gardo 4, and SAP. Low SAP ratings. Mark had one, and I had two. So, Mark, how would you rate this countdown? Yeah, so I went I went solid B+. Plus. Um, I almost could have gone a little higher, but um, I think the two CB songs kind of annoyed me. And, uh, and the one sap but um there's some iconic stuff in there and and like within the top 10 there was like a lot of good stuff in that so um so yeah solid b plus for me well you, sir. a minus okay and a song like this that we're listening to right now is a reason why okay unbelievable you need to write about the crap that's in here and the nonsense but there's so much really really good stuff in here and it's valentine's day all right yeah and if you're gonna have valentine's day without eight love songs 
that say, or the songs that have the word love in it, okay? And one song that has two, all right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm just going to glance back on the episodes that were around this. So episode 45, I went A minus, you went B minus. Uh, that was from uh, March 13th, 76. And then uh, episode 36, which was from January 10th. I went A and you went A minus. So we are yeah, right right in that ballpark. And it's nice that we you know, come out, come out of the doldrums that was 1975 and, and get into some back into yeah. some really good good music not that there this wasn't is, good, good stuff in 75 but just yeah this 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 was a treat to listen to and parse yeah so yeah all right so is it time to get us out is this a good song to get us out on yeah yeah it's a great song okay. to get us out on okay yeah. perfect Got love it's in great it. because this is stuff you know when we were 10 11 12 years old we were probably like oh come on like i said give me foghead yeah <laughs> so um yeah i mentioned the uh the x or the, the former twitter before so you can find us there at at 70s weekly or at 70 weekly and um, I post some of my own stuff. Uh, I don't know if you saw the thing I posted with uh, Bob Marley and the Whalers, but uh, I did see that. Yeah. It, was, it hasn't gotten very many likes. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> well, I I guess I need to like it. Yeah, but um, anyway, uh, so you can find us there, and um, yeah, I. I think uh, this this was this was very good, and uh, glad you had a good trip to Florida. And uh, cool to be doing uh, some full episodes here. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to uh, our journey on the 16th up to Derry, New Hampshire, to see Glenn Hughes yeah. with our our friends uh, Rich and John. Um, and I don't know if anyone else is going to be there. I think Mr. Coldwell, he said he had to be in Florida with his in-laws. <laughs> and, well, best of luck, my friend. But uh, happy Valentine's Day to everyone out there. Yeah. Get your, your Smarties little hearts that say, Be Mine. And... Uh, on your desk at work, put a little envelope that looks like a mailbox, part mailbox, and get cards from your co-workers. Yeah. And send send Valentines to your aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews and sisters and brothers. Yeah. Alrighty. So um as as Casey might say, keep singing a song and keep growing some funk of your own. But you got to keep on searching harder day by day Cause it's love 